If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about military retirement. How do you get your retirement if you're in the military? That's my big question. Does military have 401k? Joining me today is retired Brigadier General Mike Meese, but you're also the president of AFMA. So welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Heather. Uh, Good to talk to you about military retirement. First, tell us what AFMA stands for. It's A-A-F-M-A-A, and that's a lot of letters. It is a lot of, a lot of syllables. Uh, it's the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. We're actually the oldest nonprofit, and we've been taking care of the military and veterans for over 145 years, since 1879. So just after the Civil War. That's, that's right. Actually, back in the Old West, whenever anybody would go out, uh, if they died, uh, there literally there was nothing to take care of them. So people would pass the hat and then whatever went into the hat uh, is what people would get. Well, in one particular thing at the Battle of Little Bighorn, everybody was wiped out. Nobody was there to pass that, no money to put into the hat. So they decided to create a mutual life insurance organization. And that's what AFBA has been. Uh, since then, we've now grown to over 100,000 people and about uh, $24 billion of insurance protecting service members and their families. Okay, so I'm assuming military members need to join AFMA. Is this like putting portions of your paycheck into a 401k, only it's into AFMA? No, actually, it's, it's kind of like a mutual insurance so that they can join us to be able to provide life insurance. We also provide to them advice on military retirement and what to do with the survivor benefits plan. In fact, one of the key things that we do is help military members, uh, and if they pass away, taking care of their survivors to make sure that they get all the benefits that they are entitled to from the military, which actually is fairly generous, which I'm sure we can talk about. (laughs) Okay, so I'm a daughter of a Marine, so when he passes on, what do I get? Uh, Good question. Uh, If your uh, father, in this case, had served in the Marine Corps for a career, and a career in the military is generally defined as at least 20 years, then that Marine will receive a uh, a pension, a retirement uh, pay for uh, for the most of the older members, uh, anybody who came into the military before 2010, at at, uh, 20 years, it's 50% of their salary they receive for the rest of their life. If they stayed as long as 30 years, it would be 75% of their salary for the remainder of their life. And so that that's what the retiree would get if he or she passes away, any dependent, either the spouse or the child, could be eligible for a survivor benefit annuity if they sign up for that ahead of time. All right. I'm just using myself as an example (laughs) so that others have that. But even though I'm over the age of 18, I don't have to be a dependent in order to claim these benefits? No, that's an important point that you uh, need to make. You you have to be, quote, a dependent, which means either a spouse or a child under the age of 18 or under the age of 23 while still in college. Uh, I don't want to guess at your age, but assuming that you're slightly over than 18, (laughs) you would unfortunately not be eligible for any of the benefits. Uh, Your father, however, when he passes away, like all veterans, is eligible for uh, burial benefits, 
to be uh, buried in a veteran cemetery and uh, have a flag and a service and all of those kinds of things that all veterans are eligible for. Okay. Let's go back to maybe I'm just now looking to get into the military, but I'm thinking far ahead to when I retire. Right. How exactly, if you're a military member, a life t- a lifer, how do you put money away for retirement? How does that work out? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. The Army or the military actually in 2018 changed the system to uh, retirement from the system that I was under and your father was under to a new improved system that they call the blended retirement system. So it still has a defined benefit plan at 20 years. Somebody who comes into the military will still get, in this case, not 50%, but 40% of their pay at that point. But right from day one, the military will set aside a 401k type program, and they will match automatically 1% for free, and then up to 5%, so that if a brand new service member, and I encourage anybody who joins the military, if you save 5%, the military will match that 5%, so that from the first day that you enlist in the military or you join as an officer, uh, you will be saving 10% into a 401k type program, which I can describe in just a minute. And so it's a great way, similar to a civilian uh, occupation, that you can put money away for retirement. Wow. But it sounds like even if I enlist and I come in just as a grunt, which I wasn't going to get no money, basically, but the military will still take, just give me 1% into a retirement fund, even if I don't put anything in myself. That's absolutely right. We encourage everybody to put the full 5% in so that you get the 5% match. But even if you put nothing in, you'll still get a 1% free money uh, from the military and you vest after two years. So you have to be in for two years, but almost all enlistments are at least two or three or four years for your initial enlistment. Hopefully you, uh, and then if you enlist for three years or four years, you'll get a lot of money for college Plus, you'll have this 401k that you can then transfer anywhere else to any future employer. You said that you described a little bit more about this 401k type program. What, right. what uh, exactly is yeah. that? Well, I'm sure many of your listeners are all familiar with 401k plans that most civilians have. The military's equivalent of the 401k is called the Thrift Savings Plan. And the Thrift Savings Plan is administered by a thrift savings board. It's got very, very low expense ratios. Literally the expense ratios are uh, uh, four or five one hundredths of a percent. So lower than you would get even from the best indexed mutual funds. And then you can select from five different funds, from a government fund, to a bond fund, to a small cap, to a large cap fund, to an international fund or similar to what many of your listeners may be familiar with, they have target date funds. So if you say, hey, I plan to retire in 2050, I'll be in the 2050 plan, and it will automatically rebalance your portfolio among those various objectives as you get closer and closer to retirement. Okay, so this Thrift Savings Plan, a TSP, is that run by a government agency? It it is. It's a contracted by the government, but yes, it is a government agency. Congress sets the rules on how that works, but it works very similar to Vanguard or Fidelity or any other uh, passive uh, index mutual fund 
uh, uh, with the same kinds of very low costs and diversification that uh, many of your uh, listeners probably are familiar with. I'm just thinking of how inept currently our Congress is, and so I'm having a hard time feeling <laughs> confident about a government-run well, retirement fund. <laughs> no, no, I understand, but it actually mirrors the market pretty well. Uh, in other words, if, you, if you're invested in the S fund, it'll uh, uh, cover like the Russell uh, 3000, or if you're in the C fund, which is the um, large cap fund, it's very similar to the S&P 500. It just, it parallels what happens in the market. Okay. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll go more into what else we need to know about as military members, or if we plan to join or we're about to retire. Maybe we haven't dealt with our retirement fund yet. So we'll be right back with retired Brigadier General Mike Meese, who's also the president of AFMA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show. If it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about military retirement. And we've got a whole lot of people in the military, and you need to deal with what happens when you get out. Or maybe they kick you out. I don't know. <laughs> Joining me today is a retired Brigadier General Mike Meese. You're also the president of AFMA, which is an organization which help military members get their retirement in order. Let's talk about how do I work this in with a spouse? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, because the way that the military retired pay works, uh, and I'll give you just a couple of examples. Let's say that you were a sergeant first class, so an E7, and you had 20 years of service, you'll be getting $2,700 per uh, month for the rest of your life. If you were a sergeant major with 30 years, you'd be getting over $6,100 per month for the rest of your life. The challenge is those retired payments that would normally come monthly actually stop when you pass away. That's why the government has come up with what they call the survivor benefit plan. So as you're, when you're a retiree, when you retire, you, can, you have a choice that you have to make and you can decide to put away six and a half percent of your retired pay. So a small part of your retired pay so that if you pass away, your surviving spouse, or as I mentioned before, if you have children that are under 18, they will actually be able to get 55% of your retired pay for the rest of your life. Well, you just thrown out a whole bunch of numbers and percentages and I got a little lost. So if I'm the Sergeant Major First Class and I'm retired, right. I'm bringing in $2,100 a month in retirement benefits, but six and a half percent of that 2100 goes somewhere else? Yeah, let me, uh, uh, let me just make the math really, really easy okay. uh, because, no, uh, you, you're right. In fact, let's assume that we have a case, uh, I'll use a more, a larger case just to make the numbers a little easier. Okay. A colonel a retired colonel or a Navy captain after 30 years would actually get about $10,000 per month for the rest of their life. So it's a pretty good retirement. To take care of their spouse, and $10,000 makes it very easy, they can put away 6.5% of that or $650. If they put in $650 every month while they're alive, then if they pass away, before their spouse does, 
spouse would be able to collect $5,500 or 55% of that $10,000 so that that way the military spouse is not left without anything after the military member passes away. Okay. In my head, when you said that, what I'm picturing is if I'm still in the service and I've reached the point where I, if I did retire at that point and I would get $10,000 a month, I could take $650 of that money I'm not receiving yet and put it away. That, that's correct. After you retire every month, instead of getting the full 10000 you take away $650. That goes into a special fund so that if you die before your spouse does, your spouse will be taken care of for the rest of your spouse's life. What if I only last two months after I retire, but I'm putting money away? Does my spouse still get the full 55%? Yep. <laughs> it sounds dumb. That's unfortunate for you, but the best news for your spouse, because you will have only paid the $650 for two months and your spouse may live for 40 years and still get that 5,500 for the rest of their life. And you only paid in for two months when I mean, obviously you passed <laughs> right. away. So that's not a good thing. <laughs> and, and the opposite is also true. Unfortunately, if, if your spouse dies before you do all of that money that you put in, you stop paying it but you forfeited that money. That went to pay for some other spouse. Ooh. So in a sense, it's kind of like a life insurance plan, except the beneficiary has to remain living in order to be able to get it. So it's a very challenging decision. That's yeah. why we recommend for any of your listeners or anybody who's in the military making this decision, a lot of them call us here at AFMA and we can do the calculations based upon your age, your spouse's age, your relative health, uh, whether it's a good idea to either turn to us for insurance, which is another option other than the survivor benefit plan, or whether it's worth paying into the survivor benefit plan. So you said this plan came into effect in 2018. Is that when Congress passed this act? The, the, yeah, the new retirement plan came into effect in 2018. That's the one that I described with the 401k. Oh, okay. The survivor benefit plan has been around for a long time, from since the 1970s. Oh, okay. So it sounds like my grandfather was a colonel in the Army, yep. but I don't know if he participated in, in that retirement plan or not, but his wife, my grandmother passed away six weeks before he did. So if they'd been participating that money's just gone. That's exactly right. That's what some people uh, right now, about 80% of those people that are currently retiring choose to get into the survivor benefit plan. About 20% of the people do not. And that's just because people, uh, their spouses, may they may have retirement income. And frankly, it's more popular for men to, if you have similarly aged people, women live longer than men do. So generally, from just an actuarial perspective, it's a better deal for men to take that because they're more likely to die before their uh, female spouse does. What if I've been retired for five or six years and now I go, oh, now I want to participate. Can I do it at any time or does it have to start right as you retire? That is really a great question for this year. In every other year, it, you have to make that decision when you retire. You can't go back and choose it uh, unless something changes in your life. So for example, if you retired five years ago and then you got married, 
you have 12 months to decide whether or not the spouse is good enough to protect. No, I should not <laughs> phrase it that way. Uh, but you have 12 months to enroll in the program if you get married after you retire. The other thing is, because Congress just made a change, they did allow this year and this year only, 2023, is an open season where if you did not in, already enroll in survivor benefit plan, you can buy back in. So for people that are in the military, it's a big decision that they can make. Uh, most people make the right decision when they retire, but sometimes your health may change, your spouse's health may change, your financial perspective may change. And so this is a unique opportunity to potentially change uh, your survivor benefit plan decision. On that note, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll go to about children and mothers. So we'll be right back with retired Brigadier General Mike Meese. He is the president of ACMA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about military retirement and how does that work? It's different from civilians a little bit. Joining me is retired Brigadier General Mike Meese, and you are also the president of AFMA, and that's how you're speaking to us today is helping military individuals get their retirement in order, because it is a, just a little bit different. They have different rules. Absolutely. Uh, and it's been great talking with you about it because people do need to understand that there is a very generous retirement program, but it's important for military people and others who may be considering the military to understand that system. All right. So there are so many more women joining the military these days now that they're allowed to fight in combat situations. The pay is a little bit better in those circumstances as well. If you are a woman and you have kids, especially if you're a single woman, how does the military help them if they deploy? Well, it's a, a great question because we are expanding the number of uh, female service members that are uh, doing a tremendous job in all aspects of the military. In some services, it's up as high as 20 to 25 percent of women in the services, and there are Every service member, uh, male or female, when with children, has to have a what they call a family care plan so that when they deploy, there's a plan of how their children are taken care of and who is going to step in and do that. Uh, there's also a lot of dual military couples where both the uh, mother and father are serving. Uh, both parents are uh, serving, and so consequently, there are these dependent care plans. There's also a lot of great opportunities for people who have children in the military uh, from uh, very good school systems to very good child care systems. And in fact, when you uh, generally re-enlist within the military, uh, they now have a program called the Post-9-11 GI Bill, where you can actually pass on some of the college benefits that you've earned to your children and so that your children can get part of their college tuition paid for. Uh, I served for 32 years in the Army and had two, uh, I have two daughters and a son, and I divided that up so that both daughters got essentially two years of college paid for based upon my military service. Wow, that's great. Your son was just out. He, he didn't. <laughs> no, I, I, can, uh, I didn't convince him. He convinced himself. Uh, he went to West Point and so served uh, himself, and he's now a major in the U.S. Army Reserve, so doing a very good job. Wow, congratulations. Yes, no, it's great, and there tends to be a great tradition of service because once people are 
in the military, they find that it's a it's a good lifestyle, a good opportunity to serve. And as we've been talking about here, there's a pretty adequate retirement. If you can make it to 20 years, and as we've talked about in the new blended retirement system, even if you leave short of 20 years, somebody who newly joins the military is going to walk away with at least some contributions toward their eventual retirement. From the day you enlist, whether you're male or female, you can start putting away for retirement. Is that correct? Or do you have to wait 90 days or something like that? Nope. You start putting away... Okay, so if I'm, a, if I'm a child and I have a parent who passes away or is killed while they're serving, do I get that retirement fund as well as their death benefits? That also is a very good question. Fortunately, people who are in the military have both life insurance, which the government basically signs everybody up for, a $500,000. If they die on active duty, they also get a $100,000 death gratuity, and then if they are married, they will get a dependency and indemnity compensation, which is a, they call it DIC for short, which is a payment from the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, which starts at about $1,550 for a spouse and then an extra $300 for each child. So um, although it is probably not enough, that insurance is enough for probably a spouse to live on. It's probably not enough for a child if you have uh, either one or more children. And that's why organizations like AFMA and others come in to be able to provide supplemental life insurance in addition to the life insurance that is provided for by the government. That becomes particularly important because most people don't stay for an entire career. They may be in the military for four or six or eight years, and then they transition out. Well, when they transition out, that insurance that they get while in the service goes away, which is why it's very important, as we tell people as they transition, to get life insurance because that becomes a really important part of protecting their family's financial security while they're in their main earning years. Now, once you get to when you're ready to retire at 50 or 60 or 70, uh, then you're probably in good shape. Children have gone through college and all of those things have been well taken care of. But it's during that key intermediate time before you get to retirement where some kind of a life insurance from a reputable uh, carrier like AFMA or others is very, very important. Yeah, that's what I was just about to follow up with is it really sounds like no matter what your goal is to being in the military, you definitely want to talk to somebody who can help you understand these financial decisions. So AFMA is a really good place to reach out to. How can people get a hold of, I don't know about you personally, but AFMA? Yeah, no, it's very easy. The easiest way is to just, if you've heard it several times here, it's AFMA.com, A-A-F-M-A-A.com. And our member benefits, there's all kinds of educational resources for anybody who is in the service on base, there are local financial counselors uh, that work for the Army Emergency Relief or Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, and they help counsel service members. Uh, the most important thing, if you are the parent of somebody in the service or you're in the service yourself, definitely reach out and get help because frequently these uh, service members are deployed far away from home. They can't really turn to a parent or a trusted loved one to be able to give them advice. It's really important that they reach out and get the kind of services from AFMA or from somebody else to be able to make these important financial decisions. 
Thank you so much. General Mike Meese, can you only contact somebody on the internet? No, you can reach people easily on the internet, or you can call our 800 number, which is 1-800-522-5221. Okay, perfect. All right. Anything else you want people to understand or know who are military members? I thank anybody who's in the military or have people that are in the military for their service. And it's a great opportunity to go to AFMA, look at our resources, look at the educational things. You can subscribe uh, at no cost to you and get all of this kind of information because your service is really critically important to our nation. And we want you to be financially secure and independent. And whatever we can do to help facilitate that, that's what our mission here is at the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Great. Thank you so much, General Mike Meese. You are the president of AFMA. Great. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.